Why, hello there! Audioverse welcomes you to Storytime Adventures. I'm Miss Michelle, and I invite you to travel with us through stories that teach important lessons along the way. Meet Seifer, our traveling book companion, and other adventuring young friends while we journey into stories that teach the importance of forming good habits and making wise choices while we're young. So sit back, make yourself comfortable, and join us as we travel through each storytime adventure. Miss Michelle, I'm here. Ah, there you are, Claire. I couldn't wait to come to Storybook Manor to hear what story you have for us today. Did you say you have a storybook that you read from named Seifer? Yes, I do. Seifer is waiting for us in the Room of Virtues. Come on, let's go. So, this is Seifer, my storybook companion, and he has so many amazing stories in his pages. I called him Seifer because it's the Hebrew word for book. The stories in his pages are so real that it's almost like you can visualize that you're in the story and travel in your mind's eye to where the stories take place. Let's open up Seifer and see what story adventure is waiting for us today. Ah, the Indian's Revenge. All right, Claire, are you ready to travel with your mind's eye and imagination to where a story takes place? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Wow, Miss Michelle, where are we? It looks like we're in a New England village on a farm. Well, it's beautiful. I wonder who it belongs to. Can we find out? Yes, we can. Come have a seat by this tree. Listening friends, are you ready for today's story too? I, I call it The Indian's Revenge. Long, long ago, during the early colonial days, lived a farmer named William Sullivan. William was a hard worker, and you could tell by the beautiful gardens and orchards around his cottage that he was really good at what he did. Now, at that time, there was fierce tension between the white settlers and the Indians who felt that the white men were taking their land. A few Minotauri Indians had been seen on the outskirts of the new settlement where William lived, but they had not caused any trouble as their tribe was said to be friendly towards the white men. One lovely June evening, the sun had set, and William Sullivan, a very tall, good-looking, and muscular farmer, was busy grinding his sickles for hay season. He was a kind-hearted man, but he had developed a very strong prejudice against the Indians. He despised and detested these heathen creatures, regarding them as ignorant children of the wild. My, my, what a great harvest this is going to be. The fruit trees are bound to yield great fruit. And the hay? My horses and cows will have plenty of hay to eat, which means they will only grow stronger to help plow the fields for next year's harvest. I should have enough hay to fill both my barns. 
and my vegetables? <laughs> People say they've never seen such big ears of corn or such large pumpkins like I can grow. He was so lost in his thoughts that he was startled to hear the words. Will you give an unfortunate hunter some supper and lodging for the night? The young farmer raised his head, and when he saw the large Indian man dressed in his hunting garb, a look of contempt curled the corners of his mouth. His eyes flashed with anger. Heathen Indian dog, I will give you nothing. Go away. The Indian turned, then again facing William, he pled. But I am very hungry for it is a very long time since I have eaten. Give me only a crust of bread and bone to strengthen me for the remainder of my journey. I said, go away, you heathen dog. I will give you nothing. You could see the struggle on the Indian's face as his pride and hunger were battling for the mastery. But hunger prevailed. And with a faint voice, he said, Give me but a cup of cold water, for I am very faint. Did you not hear me? I said I will give you nothing. Go find yourself a river and drink from it like the heathen dog you are. With a proud and mournful air, the Indian turned away and slowly walked towards the river in the far distance. His steps were very weak. It was apparent that his need was urgent, or the proud Indian would not have asked again and again when William had so scornfully refused him. William's wife, Mary, had heard the whole dialogue while she was holding her sleeping baby, and her heart was moved with compassion for the Indian. She watched as the Indian staggered off and saw him sink to the ground in utter exhaustion, not too far from her house. Oh, the poor Indian man! He's fallen to the ground. How utterly exhausted he must be. Where is William now? Oh, he must have gone to the stable. Let me quickly grab what food I can to help the poor man. She grabbed a pitcher of milk, some bread, roasted lamb, and corn, and quickly went to the fallen Indian. She lifted his head gently. Will my red brother drink some milk? The Indian eagerly drank the whole pitcher and gratefully ate the plentiful meal she had brought. When he had finished, the Indian knelt at her feet, his eyes beaming with gratitude. In a soft tone, he said, Karakuchi, protect the white dove from the pounces of the eagle. For her sake, the unfledged young shall be safe in its nest, and her red brother will not seek to be revenged. Taking a bunch of hair and feathers from his bosom, he selected the longest one and giving it to Mary Sullivan said, When the white dove's mate flies over the Indian's hunting ground, bid him wear this on his head. He then turned away and glided into the woods was soon lost to view. The summer passed away. 
Harvest had come and gone, and the wheat and Indian corn was safely stored in the barn, while the golden pumpkins were gathered into their winter quarters. The men in the settlement were excited as hunting season had finally come. Hey, William, are you ready to use that rifle of yours to snare a wild buffalo or two? <laughs> Maybe if you're lucky, you'll even kill a bear. I'm ready for some action. I've been shooting gourds and pumpkins all summer long, and I'm restless and ready to hunt some serious game. Another neighbor chimed in. Haven't you heard the news? The Indians have been ambushing and attacking white hunters. Yeah, that's nothing new. You know a rifle could take out an Indian as easily as a wild buffalo. William was silent. Normally, he looked forward to hunting season, for he was known as one of the most skilled with the rifle. But as the time of departure grew near, strange nervousness about his safety filled his mind. His imagination was haunted by the form of the Indian whom he had so harshly treated during the summer. The night before he was to leave, he could stand it no longer. Mary, I have something to confess to you. This past summer, an Indian hunter came by our place, asking for some food and water. With curses, I turned him away, even though it really looked like he was on the brink of fainting. You should have seen his face when I called him an Indian dog and told him to get out of my sight. Ever since that day, I haven't had a moment of peace knowing that what I did was cruel and wrong. And I can't help but feel this hunting trip will be his revenge against me. Mary Sullivan was silent as she listened to her husband, and then laying a hand on him, she smiled as she softly said, I was outside rocking the baby to sleep when the Indian came and I heard it all. I didn't want to say anything to you because I was afraid you'd get angry. But when I saw the Indian man faint, I couldn't help myself. I took him some food and milk, and I fed him. She then went to a closet and took out a beautiful heron's feather. The Indian gave me this feather and said that if I sewed it onto your hat, that you would be safe. William shook his head. No, Mary. These Indians never forgive an injury. Nor do they ever forget a kindness I will sew this onto your hunting cap and then trust you and God's keeping. They both knelt to pray, and William, who wasn't a very religious man, confessed his sins and asked for forgiveness and mercy. Well, friends, what happens to William? Will he be safe? Will that feather be enough to protect him from danger? Well, we'll find out after this short break. Hi parents, grandparents, and any adults listening in. We hope that you and the kids are enjoying Storytime Adventures. This series is brought to you by Audioverse, an online ministry providing inspirational, Bible-based, Christ-centered, life-changing media for the whole family. 
Before we hear the rest of today's story, we want to be sure to let you know that Audioverse has lots of great content to feed your soul, too. From powerful sermons and insightful seminars to audiobooks, audio Bibles, and much more, there is a blessing for everyone. The best part of all? All this content is completely free. Just visit audioverse.org or download our free mobile app today. Happy listening, and now let's get back to Miss Michelle for the rest of the story. And now, back to today's story. The next morning, the hunters were off, and what an excursion it was. They caught many animals, and they even feasted on the meat of a bear that one of the hunters had skillfully caught. They slept in the bear's cave that night, and early the next morning, they resumed their hunt. William was so eagerly following a fawn that he got separated from the rest of his hunting team. As he tried to find his way back, he became confused and utterly lost. It was already evening, and he knew that soon it would be dark. The shadows began to play tricks on him as he imagined seeing lurking Indians in the trees. William picked up his steps and soon saw a clearing. He came upon the edges of an immense prairie. William was faint and weary, for he had not eaten since morning. He listened carefully. Is that a river that I hear? Yes, it is. There is water close by. But I must be careful. I know there are many enemies that are lurking in these bushes. He was almost at the river and could feel the cool water on his parched lips. When suddenly, there was a rustling in the bushes. He paused in alarm and instantly grabbed his gun as he saw an enormous buffalo rush out from the brush. The buffalo paused for a moment and then, lowering his head, rushed towards the intruder. William took aim, but the buffalo was too near for him to shoot with calmness and certainty. He succeeded in only wounding the buffalo, and the angered buffalo charged again. Adrenaline surged through his body, and William grabbed the buffalo by the horn as it struck him on his side. Ignoring the pain, he yanked out his knife with his free hand, attempting to strike the buffalo. But it was no match, and the buffalo shook him off, ready to trample him to death. William closed his eyes, accepting his fate, when he heard the sharp crack of a rifle behind him. The buffalo instantly sprang up into the air and fell heavily to the ground next to William. A dark form in Indian garb glided by and plunged his knife into the animal, ensuring its death. Then he turned to William, whose eyes were widened with fear and hope. He couldn't see the Indian's face as it was now pitch black. Please, kind sir, will you direct me to the nearest white settlement? If the weary hunter will rest till morning, the eagle will show him the way to the nest of his white dove, was the reply. And then taking William by the hand, he led him through the darkness until they reached a small encampment by the river. 
The Indian gave William a plentiful meal of hominy and venison and laid out some thick furs for him to sleep on. It was still dark and not yet dawn when the Indian awoke William. They both headed towards the nearest white settlement. The Indian kept in front of his companion and threaded his way through the forest with ease and speed. William thought to himself, this Indian knows this forest like the back of his hand. Amazing as I can hardly see the hand in front of my face. They quickly traveled through the woods and while the sun was still shining in the sky, the Indian led him to the most welcome sight of all, William's own beloved home. With a cry of joy, William turned to the Indian, pouring out his heartfelt thanks for the service he had rendered him. I cannot thank you enough for your kindness in saving my life twice. First from certain death at the hands of that buffalo, and secondly in leading me home. I am not deserving of your kindness, but I will be forever grateful to you for your... His words trailed off. For the warrior who till then had not allowed his face to be shown now turned to him, revealing to the astonished young man the features of the same Indian whom he had so cruelly cursed and sent away five months ago. Five moons ago, when I was faint and weary, you called me Indian dog and drove me from your door. Last night, I could have taken my revenge, but the white dove fed me, and for her sake, I spared her mate. Karakuchi bids you to go home, and when hereafter you see a red man in need of kindness, do to him as you have been done by. Farewell. He waved his hand and was about to depart when Sullivan sprang before him. Please, please come with me as proof that you have truly forgiven me. I am so ashamed and beg for your forgiveness. Please come with me to my home as a token that you have truly forgiven me of my cruel and brutal treatment. Karakuchi consented and a very humble William led him to his cottage. There, his gentle wife, surprised at seeing him so soon, was quickly turned into deep thankfulness at his wonderful escape from danger, all because of the brave Indian who had repaid her kindness. She embraced both of them with tears, and Karakuchi was treated not only as an honored guest, but as a brother. Karakuchi visited the cottage often, and William, whose heart had been changed by kindness, along with Mary, his gentle and faithful wife, began to teach him of the ways of God. The Lord blessed the faithful efforts and prayers of this couple, and Karakuchi became the first native Indian convert to be baptized by an American missionary who came to the settlement two years later. The Indian warrior who had once yielded a tomahawk went forth now armed with a different weapon, the sword of the spirit, to share the glad tidings to his own people. Miss Michelle, the story was awesome. Karakuchi completely repaid cruelty with kindness. Yes, he did. William treated him very cruelly, and it would have been so easy for Karakuchi to get his revenge. 
But because of the kindness of William's wife Mary, he was willing to forgive the cruelty shown to him by William. I think Mary was a true hero of today's story. I agree. Mary understood what the Bible meant in Luke 6:31 when Jesus said, "Do to others as you would have them do to you." You know, she didn't allow fear and prejudice to cloud her mind or judgment, and she refused to be influenced by the actions and thoughts of other people, even her husband. She showed kindness to a people group that was feared, and her kindness was richly rewarded. And that reminds me of a song I want to teach you today. Let's head over to the studio. So, this is our studio room where I record different songs for each episode. Today's song is found in Ephesians 4:32. Claire, can you read that verse for us? Sure, Miss Michelle. The Bible says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you." That's right. Jesus set the perfect example of kindness and forgiveness and asks us to follow in his footsteps. And that's what the song is about. It's called And Be Ye Kind. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye kind one to another and be ye kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you be ye kind one to another and be ye kind one to forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you be kind one to another I'll remember that thanks for the story and the lesson today Miss Michelle thanks for joining me Claire and thank you to our listening friends Next week's story takes place in the Hall of Mirrors. Want to know what kind of stories take place there? Then be sure to tune in to our next story time adventure. <laughs>